Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Before we start, Patreon grew a little bit this week, thanks to my brother who chipped in $3 a month with the added message, happy birthday. I assume, <laughs> I assume that means I'm not going to get a birthday present for him. Thank you, Nick. Uh, but, Lewis, we have a $10, a couple of $10 a month uh, subscribers this week, mm-hmm. someone called Goldie Girl and Professor Alan Duffy. Astronomer, lead scientist at the Royal Institute of Australia. Uh, the space is, hunk. Yeah, the space so hunk. Handsome. Alan Duffy is, is now a Patreon subscriber, a scaremonger, if you will. Wow. So not only does he look at the stars, now he listens to the stars. <laughs> yes. We'll make sure we get him on the show soon. Uh, and so if you want to get on the show, it's really easy. All you got to do is give us money and we'll put, we'll put you on the show. <laughs> um, I've recorded my end of this on the on the Gadigal land at the Euro nation sovereignty was never ceded let's start the show a rational fear contains naughty words like brexit canberra fair and section 40 a rational fear recommends listening by immature audiences Tonight, Donald Trump takes away the funding from the World Health Organization for spreading coronavirus facts. And the New South Wales Police Commissioner wants the Ruby Princess to be out of Australian waters by Sunday. Carnival Cruises insists the only person who can start the boats again is Kevin Rudd. And Scott Morrison says that social distancing restrictions may be relaxed in four weeks to coincide with the restart of the NRL season. We've got 30 days left of breathing each other's farts. This is Irrational Fear. Irrational Fear! Welcome to another episode of Irrational Fear. I'm your host, Dan Illich. Let's meet your fear mongers for this week. She may be fresh out of quarantine, but her jokes are anything but sanitised. It's the very filthy Alice Fraser. <laughs> uh, peace out, c- I don't know that I'm filthy. <laughs> Our next guest was called by a Sky News commentator, that is Chris Kenny, as a man of sparkling wit, maturity and insight, whose music goes down well with the kids at Triple J and the project. It's Tim Minchin AM. 
Wow, is that true? Does my music go down well at Triple J? I don't think I've ever been played on it. I don't know. Chris Kenny said that about you. Wow, well, he would know. <laughs> yeah, Chris Kenny wise. is the expert on Triple yeah. J, I'm sure. Yeah, and all things. And a man who isn't afraid to get his hands dirty because he's a proprietor of the world-famous hand sand hand sanitizer. <laughs> it's Lewis Hopper. Yes, never um, any crisis is a business opportunity for me. A little later on the show, we'll have another cancelled stand-up comedy set from Rose Bishop and we'll talk through the privacy ramifications of how proposed technology that is meant to help us trace and track uh, new COVID cases could affect us. But before that, we've got a message from this week's sponsor, which just happens to be uh, the IPA. The coronavirus outbreak is a serious public health issue and we were right to take action early on to contain the spread. The time to end the lockdown is now. The fossil fuel industry is losing billions of dollars because Australians have stopped making unnecessary trips to Bali. And worst of all, you can get arrested for doing a manie. Australia must get back to work, otherwise my funders will be very cross and call me a naughty boy. If the lockdown continues, it could mean the end of the IPA, as our fossil fuel lobby money will evaporate faster than energy companies' profits move to an offshore tax haven. Worst of all, it could mean fossil fuel industries become stranded assets and be forced to nationalise and be converted into renewable energy providers. That's disgusting. It's time for state and national governments to end the lockdown and forcibly kill people on behalf of the fossil fuel industry like they used to do. Alternatively, pass legislation to use unleaded petroleum as hand sanitizer, or as a magic elixir that'll cure everything from thirst to communism. Not in six months, not in one month, now. Australians weren't meant to live like this. They were meant to live coughing and wheezing in their own vehicles on the way to their final resting place, the corridor of a hospital car park. It's time to end this lockdown. Now. You're too close. Step away or I'll spray you with this can of unleaded hand sanitizer. Uh, thank you, Gideon Rosner. It's great to have your support on Rational Fear. Top fear this week in the latest battle against coronavirus, the regional areas aren't mucking about. Wagga Wagga City Council voted to sever ties with its sister city, Kunming. That'll teach coronavirus. No longer will school children be forced to look up Kunming to learn that it's a valuable transportation hub linking China to Vietnam and Burma and Laos and Thailand. So just recapping the scores, that's Wagga Wagga 1, Coronavirus 63. They've got some time to go. Wagga Wagga, they're not doing so well there. Fearmongers, how do we feel about sister cities? Are they completely irrelevant in 2020? I have a brother, but I always wanted a sister city. (laughs) (laughs) What does this say about Australia, this story, do you think? What do you you reckon? It's really just uh, unbridled xenophobia, really, isn't it? (laughs) What's great about this story is it actually happened while the mayor of Wagga Wagga was having a medical procedure. So a rogue councillor stepped in and proceeded to take take matters into his own hands. Uh, I really feel sorry for that mayor. I think you have to call them a mayor mayor if they're from Wagga Wagga. It's it's the place of many mayors. (laughs) It does reek of what I'm noticing a lot, which is that everyone is just desperate to do something. People are very, very uncomfortable. Like I... I, even all my fellow artists and everyone's just so desperate to be doing something. So for that dude in Wagga Wagga, it was like my action is going to be to like dog whistle to some of my racist voters or whatever in Wagga Wagga and that's going to make me feel like a hero. But it's basically just uh, helplessness 
and and racists express their helplessness by decoupling with their sister city in China. And, you know, artists manage their helplessness by, like, starting a podcast. Or, uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, when you're told you just have to do nothing, don't worry, just don't do anything, just sit at home. People lose their freaking mind. I looked up um, uh, Kunming and it is, it is 1,700 kilometres from Wuhan. It's, like, completely, like, so it's a 20-and-a-half-hour drive to get there. Mm. It's so far away. It's so weird. It's just such a weird city to kind of go, no, we're definitely going to get. If it was Wuhan, I kind of, I may have some kind of sympathy or empathy for this counselor, but just this random city that's thousands of kilometers away, I don't understand. Is it thousands of kilometers as the crow flies or as the bat flies? (laughs) (laughs) Too soon. Uh, now, it's devastating to report that this next story came out the day we recorded our last episode. We didn't talk about it. Um, but part-time TV chef and full-time wellness charlatan uh, Pete Evans is selling a $15,000 energy machine that will recharge your cells at a cellular level by simply sitting next to its flashing lights. Uh, now, it's really easy to mock Pete Evans here, uh, as we should. Uh, <laughs> I, I can see you're nodding, Lewis. <laughs> I mean, I, I <clears throat> Chef Pete Evans is... Um, one of my favorite people to follow on Instagram. I, I put, did this really dumb Instagram post a while ago where I was just pre- look, pretending to stare at the sun. It was like a very, not even a joke. It was just like a dumb thing. Not, And everyone tagged me in this thing to be like, hey, for real, Pete Evans stares at the sun for strength. And, every, and now I just get tagged in Pete Evans posts constantly. Every time he's doing something done, they're like, Lewis, you should check this out. And I grew up in a hippie adjacent family. So a lot of this is in the area of things that I've experienced my whole childhood. But uh, so I, he's a person I know in my core. So I, I, I love Evan's news. <laughs> <laughs> well, some people are rich because they're careful with their money and some people somehow manage to maintain at least a surface level of apparent richness while jizzing money up the walls like a robot cow inseminated that's just blown a cum gasket. <laughs> But I always think it's nice when people flag themselves as the first to eat when the revolution comes. <laughs> like that's going to be a delicious man. Like, he's a he's a better meal than a chef, probably. Yeah, yeah just just going to put the words grass fed down and leave them. Well, let me let me tell you some things that Pete Evans believes. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna state something and want you to tell me whether he believes it or not. All right, we've already covered staring in the sun is good for you. What about this one? Fluoride in water is bad for you. Does Pete Evans believe that? Yes, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yes, he does. He's, he said in a social media post, I will say it again and again, fluoride must not be added to our water supply ever. It's a major contributor to degenerative brain disease. Please be aware it has nothing to do with your teeth. It is forced medication. I've been consuming fluoride-free water for close to 30 years and will continue to do so. <laughs> That's partly true. He will say it again and again. (laughs) What about this one? Sunscreen is bad for you. That has like, that one isn't quite as deranged as the rest. Like (laughs) there is a part of sunscreen that is like not necessarily that good for you, but it's one of those like on balance, it's much better for you to not get skin cancer. Cars aren't good for you either. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's a cost benefit ratio. (laughs) 
He says, the silly thing is people put on chemical sunscreen, the lad in the sun for hours and think they're safe because they're covering themselves in poisonous chemicals. Uh, and he recommends wearing zinc oxide-based product called Smurfood, which is not registered with the Australian regulatory body for therapy goods. So Smurfood is what he's is his go-to. <laughs> is he putting it on his eyes, you know, when he stares into the sun? <laughs> You know that I had never heard of this man until you sent me a link this afternoon and I'm <gasps> so upset. That yeah. I'm <laughs> no! I, mean, I don't need another sort of... Oh, just, We're sending to why Mitch is he to allowed to talk? Well, this is a, he's a famous chef that's been on television. That's why he's allowed to talk, Tim. Can you cook? Yeah. Uh, not very good cook and I suppose everyone's allowed to talk. But we, isn't there a law about making health claims? I just think it's so dangerous. It's just one of the things that irritates me the most, although his colour and light machine. I'm just like, yeah, tax the idiots. Like, I, don't think, I don't think anyone's going to buy it to cure their cancer or it's not like homeopathy that poor people buy as well. It's just a tax on stupid rich people. So I'm fine. <laughs> Here's another couple of things that Pete Evans believes. He believes Wi-Fi is bad for you, so he uses earthing mats that he's, he puts his feet on. To somehow fix Wi Fi. Not finished high school science. (laughs) By earthing mats, does he mean the ground? (laughs) (laughs) Or a couple of friends called Matt. (laughs) (laughs) This is his actual quote. He says, uh, When you're sitting at your computer, put your feet onto a little mat and it sort of potentially negates any of the Wi Fi issues, you know, and reconnects you to the earth. So to me, that sounds like, wow, that's a positive thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds really good. That's good. I just prefer my celebrity chefs not paying their staff, you know. That's, let's go with the old-fashioned ones. <laughs> Last belief here. Tell me if you think he believes it or not. Avocado on salmon with a bit of coriander is good for you. Uh, it feels like a trap. Yeah. <laughs> He actually uh-huh. believes it. He believes it. He believes it's oh, good for you. Okay. And, and, I mean, that's at least caught in the last episode of Better the Hubs and Gardens, which I watched last week. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> Apparently it's d- really delicious with a with a slice of lime. So uh, maybe Given we that can... he doesn't eat, seem to understand dosage and its relationship to cost-benefit ratios, maybe he'll eat a ton of it and die. <laughs> <laughs> Alice Fraser, you found a story about the end of civilization and social breakdown. A, a man faced caught after scanning his nuts as bananas. Yeah. Yes, indeed. A 24-year-old student uh, scanned some cashews and pistachios as bags of bananas at a self-service checkout, which leads me to, I guess, the obvious joke, you know, is that a banana in your pocket or are you just nuts to see me? Or is that some nuts in your pocket? Are you just happily pretending your nuts are a banana? Or is that a banana in your pocket or are your penis and testicles in your pocket? So why are you keeping them there in what is, let, let us all admit, a fairly non-standard distribution? I feel like this story is an example of a sad degradation of morals in these our degenerate times. It's one thing to run, run a full-on Ned Kelly bank heist, but getting your jollies tricking a robot with no eyes feels a little bit less ambitious than historically criminal. Uh, his defence to the police was that he was intoxicated at the time, and who gets drunk to go grocery shopping? Like, <laughs> Grocery shopping is not that bad. Nowadays, it's really exciting because you can wear gloves and a mask and pretend you're doing surgery on the aisles. (laughs) I love the police also questioned him on on his ability to use the machines. And they said, oh, yeah, you you can actually scan things correctly like you've scanned all the rest of these things correctly. (laughs) But you've just chosen the most expensive things to mark as fucking bananas. But bananas are cheap. 
Yeah, and he should have tried this back in 2009 during the great banana price explosion. <laughs> That's right. I, I love how the judge said, basically, uh, don't, don't do it again. We'll let you off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, don't do it for a year. Is not he on probation for a year? You can get back to it after that. <laughs> Circle back. <laughs> My friend used to um, just fill mushroom bags with cashews. And it, but before automatic scanning machines, he'd just stick cashews in his mushroom bag and hope they charged him as mushrooms on the assumption that whatever's in a mushroom bag is a mushroom. And he'd get away with cashews, which are obviously a lot more expensive than mushrooms unless they're really tricky mushrooms. And that's when I first learnt that I'm a moralistic bore because I was <laughs> outraged and made him take them back. <laughs> You're like, don't you know that this poor Woolworths are only making several billion dollars a year? <laughs> I, it's the principle of the matter, Lewis. How dare you? Don't you understand the slippery slope nature of that claim? Jim no. Minchin is a Kantian. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm just like cashews rule everything around me, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Totally. Uh, what about this, Tim? I had a high school girlfriend who worked at a cinema and she said that popcorn at the big chain cinemas isn't counted by how much popcorn you eat. It's only counted by the cups you buy. And if you go to uh, a popcorn vendor, a vending machine, and fill up the popcorn in a plastic bag from the lolly aisle and take it through the counter. They won't charge you for popcorn. Uh, and that was kind of like an inside industry wow. note. And for, for many years I did that and got away with it. And I, uh, do, you think, do you think that's okay? I think she should be in jail for historic, <laughs> historic theft. Oh, no. <laughs> I need to call Julian Burnside. I'll be right back. Yeah, totally. I have a moral question for you, Tim Minchin. I've just oh, started doing a workout program called uh, Killer Buns and Thighs, and I'm oh, yeah. three days in. Am I conspiring to murder buns and thighs or am I fully liable for the extent of the <laughs> Killer buns and thighs, you run the risk of them killing you. You, you yeah. about killing buns and thighs. <laughs> I, think, I think you're okay. okay. Um, yeah, I think you're okay. I mean, I've done that workout, obviously. Obviously. <laughs> As you can tell from my killer buns and thighs. Is it like, um, it sounds like it's sort of like Terminator, like their the buns and thighs are becoming sentient. Yeah. 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 That's, what I, that's all I've ever wanted during quarantine. <laughs> Is for your buns and thighs to turn on you. <laughs> well, at least achieve sentience so I have someone to yeah. talk to. <laughs> Irrational fear. This is Irrational Fear. Coming up soon, we'll have stand-up comedy from another cancelled Melbourne co- comedy festival show from Rose Bishop. But right now, let's talk about trade-offs. Trade-offs are a part of life. You know, our internet may be on the slow side, but we get it for free from the neighbours' unlocked Wi-Fi. And, you know, we all love Hamish Blake, but we oh, but to catch a glimpse of him, we've got to watch strangers build Lego. And now we're asking for a rather big one. If over uh, 40% of the population download an app from the government called Trace Together, the government will consider lifting some COVID 19 restrictions. The app, of course, is voluntary, but according to the IT News, the app is undergoing final checks from the Australian Signals Directorate. Anyone with the app will basically swap an encrypted phone number with another phone nearby and store it on their phone for 21 days. And if the phone becomes, if the phone owner becomes ill, trace together will then be able to find other people that they've been nearby 
Um, so apparently it'll work at a distance of like one and a half metres uh, and it'll work within 15 minutes of phone kind of connection. It's pretty crazy stuff. Uh, this comes off the back of a story last week where telephone companies like Vodafone have been handing huge amounts of location data to the government as well. Uh, now, to walk us through this murky world of privacy trade-offs, is a board member of the International Association of Privacy Professionals. He's also a long-time attendee of Irrational Fear and a first-time fearmonger, Tim D'Souza. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Now, Tim, uh, the government isn't exactly renowned for its technological prowess. We all remember when the census went down and then three weeks ago when the government said that Centrelink was being hacked, it just turned out it was a whole bunch of people who'd lost their jobs the weeks before trying to apply for JobSeeker. How can we trust this government to deliver Trace and Track, or this Trace and Track app, on people's phones at scale? Well, let's talk about first what they're proposing to deliver. So uh, Singapore, a Singaporean uh, government digital technology team, uh, put together this app, which they have called Trace Together. And the idea is that the phones will exchange uh, random Bluetooth identifiers. So if you're in, basically every phone will broadcast a Bluetooth uh, beacon. As someone who as someone who's often used a Bluetooth speaker, I don't think this is going <laughs> to be the most <laughs> robust technology to use this with, surely. Well, it's, it's funny you should say that. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll get to that, though. Every phone puts a Bluetooth beacon. Every other phone listens for Bluetooth beacons. And then they upload which beacons they broadcast and which beacons they've heard to a central database. And if a user says, oh, actually, I've just been diagnosed with COVID, they'll enter that into the app. And all of the other phones that were exposed to the phone of the diagnosed user we'll get a notification, hey, you may have been exposed, you should probably isolate. That's the idea. Now, the way that the Singaporean team has set it up is that it would be privacy protective. It wouldn't reveal phone numbers, it would just send out these randomized Bluetooth identifiers, which don't give out any location information or uh, any other personal information about the user. So that sounds pretty good. It sounds like, it sounds or like, sounds all right. Like, it sounds like no one's kind of tracking individuals on an individual basis, right? That's the intent, and that's what they've been trying to do. The problem is the app only works if it's in the foreground of your phone. Like, you have to have it open. You can't just open it and then do something else. You've got to have it so on all the time. You've got to have it on all the time. What's the point? Like, um, I, I download 100 apps and they just sit in the back of my phone and never get used at any time. The only app that's yeah. on all the time is Twitter, to be honest. <laughs> and for that reason, only 20% of uh, the Singaporean population are actually using the app, and even they aren't using it properly because they don't want to leave it on the phone all the time. The reason it has to be open all the time is because of restrictions around how Bluetooth is used in right. the operating systems of Android and Apple phones. But that's by the by. Like, I would wager that most people, if it came down to, well, we could save the world or you could play Candy Crush, are going to go for Candy Crush. <laughs> so what you're trying to say is Candy Crush really has the responsibility here to put a trace and track code inside Candy Crush. It's not the worst. <laughs> candy, candy crush the curve. Candy crush the curve is what they want. Sure, you can oh. put it just up as, as Tracebook and then just see all the boomers download it. <laughs> that might They're work the as well. They're the ones who need it most, yeah. <laughs> the way that this is being solved is that uh, Google and Apple are getting together and building in the functionality in their operating systems. Right. Uh, I guess we call them Google. 
<laughs> so the idea would be that they would enable this functionality, the broadcasting Bluetooth beacons and listening to them. Um, and then they would make that available uh, to be used by different countries. They could develop their own apps. That doesn't seem to be what the federal government are proposing to do here, although admittedly it's a little murky. Uh, what you described about swapping phone numbers is not how the Trace Together app works, but the government is adamant that they are using a version of the Trace Together app. So there's a little bit of confusion going on, and it's very, very unclear what, in fact, they're going to roll out. Waiting to see what that looks like. But your question was, how do we trust it? And <laughs> yeah. my answer to that would be, we don't. We verify. Um, we ask for the government to be transparent about what this app is going to do and how it's going to work. Ideally, the, co the code would be open source so people can uh, audit it and see that it does what they say it does. Yeah. They would publish a privacy impact assessment or a security assessments so we can see what measures they've taken to limit the, the privacy uh, impacts and the security risks. Um, we would want them to make sure that there's some accountability. Ideally, there would be safeguards in, uh, you know, enshrined in law. Who can use this information what it can be used for, penalties for misuse. Because one thing we know is that if there's a system, it will be abused, and that is a certainty, no matter can I what ask, system is. What are yeah, the sure. potential abuses? Because I, 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 a lot of things bug me in the world, but for whatever reason, privacy, I, I struggle to get worked up about it. I'm not saying I'm right. I just intuitively, it doesn't bother me. I, I wouldn't care if the government could tell where I was for the next six months for the sake of the virus, you know, I, I would make huge privacy compromises in this situation because I don't, I don't know if I understand what's the worst case scenario of exploitation of a technology like this? What are people scared of? Uh, dystopian cyberpunk nightmare. Yeah. Generally speaking, who are the bad actors here? I mean, we, we're fortunate enough to live in a, in a democracy, not an autocratic government so far um but like who who are the bad actors in this scenario what should we be keeping our eyes out for well i'll go and answer tim's question sincerely uh the kind of nightmare scenario would be something like the chinese social credit system which is uh not just mobile phones but uh government databases and facial recognition and cctv uh an entire surveillance apparatus which rates you and ranks you and decides what opportunities that you have in life. It's hot or so, not at scale, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, and that is not what the Trace Together app, according to the Singaporean team that built it, is meant to do. The Trace Together app is meant to be quite privacy protective. But for us to trust what the Australian version of the app is going to be, we need to be able to verify what they say is correct. Um, we, we shouldn't be trusting it as a as a blanket uh, statement, right? It, it's not sufficient to ask for trust or demand trust. No. You have to demonstrate that you are worthy of trust. And the way you do that is by transparency. At this moment, we're in a crisis, right, Tim? Like, how do we as citizens implore our government to do the due diligence in this, that it actually it's something that they will take seriously and do the due diligence on trying to figure out how this works with with privacy? I mean, I think the usual the usual avenues apply. We we shout and we kick and we make a big stink and we write to our relevant MPs and we talk about it on podcasts. And my relevant MP, my relevant MP today decided that Australia should defund the WHO just like Trump did. Like Dave Sharma's a fucking idiot. <laughs> 
it's not a perfect system, Daniel. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but you, you asked me a question about the bad actors, and I really do want to talk about that because there's some really yeah. interesting stuff going on there. Firstly, scammers are having a field day. Um, they're, scammers are always having a good time, especially when there's a bit of chaos and a bit of fear uh, going on. But I've seen some really interesting scams lately, one of which is um, – Emails coming from the WHO, Center for Disease Control, saying, we have important information for you. We will put it in this uh, Microsoft Teams instance. Why don't you click this link, put in your Teams password, and we will deliver this life-saving information to you. That I can tell you from personal experience, that is a scam dedicated to make the ABC less secure. They're the only company I've ever worked for that uses Teams. <laughs> SharePoint, whatever. Like how, whatever system you're using, there are many variations of this one. But that's like a pretty old and well-established scammer tactic where they trade on fear, they trade on a sense of urgency to get you to be slightly less attentive and uh, make a mistake. But the one that really, uh, in terms of bad actors, the one that has really kind of made me go wide-eyed with helpless fury has been um, the reports of people who have just lost their jobs and have contacted their real estate agents to say, um, look, I've just lost my job. Uh, Can I have a rental holiday? Can I have some rent relief? And the agents come back and say, why don't you access your super and draw down on that and use that to pay your rent for the next few weeks. Uh, here's how you do it. Here's a form that you can fill out. Wow. So, um, so it's, a, it's, a, it's a phishing scam on behalf of rental people to, to steal people's super. <laughs> yeah, basically. Um, I mean, it's, it's not technically a scam because they are who they say they are. It's just completely morally bankrupt. Right. To the point that uh, ASIC, the uh, Australian Securities and Investment Commission had to send a letter to all of their peak bodies for real estate agents in each state saying, are you financial advisors? Do you look in the mirror and do do you see a financial advisor there? No? Then shut the fuck up. It's so interesting. Like the the whole rental thing is super interesting. Uh, I have a friend who is who owns an investment property, and she has a management company asking her to sign a petition to to sign a letter to tell that all all the people who are renting properties through the management company that that they won't be um, lowering rents, and if they do want to go let, go lower on the rent, they'll have to pay it back later deferrals. And she went, no, I'm not going to sign that because what we need to be doing is being better people at this point. And who when, are these people? And, and, who are these fucking people? I don't know any. I don't know a property owner. I don't think I do. I, I own property with renters in it and we've called them up and asked them if they've still got their jobs and if they haven't, we've just stopped their rent. I mean, obviously we're yeah. in a lucky position, but who are – I'm not a particularly nice person. Who are these fucking people? Well, my, my, well, my and, people are so evil. And my friend has just kind of got this property. She hasn't exactly – she hasn't exactly put thousands of dollars on it herself, but she's trying to figure out ways so, so that the, the people in it can have a have, – be, exist, but, but that's everyone I know. And it's, so, it's. I feel like it's this weird thing where, and they replied to her saying, they replied to her saying that essentially, look, we've got to do this because the banks aren't budging on on any of this, and the bank, the buck stops at the bank, and so therefore the landlords can't uh, can't lower their rates because the banks aren't bu- budging on mortgages. So there's no uh, mechanism for the banks to actually do anything. So everyone from the banks down is fucked. But the only way this is going to work is if everyone from the government down, including the banks, 
all takes a step back, one, one step back, and it, it'll all work out. It requires everyone to commit to this idea of kind of lowering productivity, doesn't it? Or am I missing something? Uh, no, that's, that's exactly right. Like it's not so much we're all into, in this together, but if we're not all in this together, then a lot of people are going to suffer. We need and they'll be to at the bottom. Yeah, yeah. And no exactly. one and no one really wins from that because when it starts up again, no one's gonna have any money to fucking do anything. And it's like you we all need to pause. Everything needs to pause. Anyway, that made it made me angry this week listening to that conversation. Yeah. Well, I'm in yeah, a new so, house yeah. now as of like I'm one week into a new house because I had to move out of my share house because both my housemates lost their jobs and now landlord. Um, not only refused to give us rent relief, but yelled at my housemate until she cried for even asking for it. Really? Yeah. Oh my oh, god! This is my new bedroom, guys. One week in. I Lewis, do you think your landlords uh, put all his or her savings in their entire life into this property, and it's their only income? Is that? I don't I mean, know. I suppose you don't know because I do know people who own properties who are not wealthy at all, and it's just their the thing that keeps the thing ticking over. Yeah, we were led to believe it was like a conglomerate of people who owned several houses together, um, which made me pretty frustrated, but I don't actually know. But in, anyway, it was just like the, the lack of um, empathy was mind-blowing. Can I say your new bedroom is much more better, it's acoust- much better yeah. acoustically <laughs> for podcast recording, so that's really exceptional. Yeah, no, it's Thanks better for the podcast. It's all been worth it. Yeah. <laughs> the thing that outraged me from a privacy perspective was the agent saying, Oh, you want rental relief? Well, can you show me your bank statements? Yeah. Can you tell oh, me yeah, when you lost yeah. your job? Can you uh, show me your super statements and how much money do you have in there? And, oh, well, it looks like there's some money in there. That money could be ours. Why don't you give it to us? Yeah. But the amount of information that they wanted to demonstrate that the tenants were worthy of relief in a time of unprecedented global disruption. I suppose people are mistrusting others because we all know some people are scam artists. So maybe real estate agents are hyper-vigilant about the fact that some people might be fine but just using this as an opportunity to ask for relief. And I suppose some people will be doing that because some people are fucking it. (laughs) It is possible that people who work in real estate Mm. have spent quite a bit of time around assholes. (laughs) Yes, it's possible. Alice, I saw you writing notes. Did you want to add anything? Uh, it, would, it would be before uh, when we were talking about privacy, like this being part of a trend where we repeatedly prove ourselves absolutely willing to trade intimately private details up to and including the flavour of our own placenta for a small <laughs> fraction more convenience. I, I have and always wondered what... It's certainly the case with things like uh, House Party and Zoom. So, you know, these video conferencing... Uh, these video conferencing facilities, the software that has just exploded. Um, of course it has because we want to connect to each other and we're all uh, cut off from each other. But if you look at the privacy policy of House Party, uh, one of the things that they claim in their privacy policy is that uh, by using House Party, they are free to grab all content submitted via the service and just claim ownership of all ideas inventions, concepts and techniques that you might discuss over house party. So 
Um, they own your mind if you if you dare to use the service to communicate. That's like trying to write a comedy show for network TV. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's completely insane. I don't know how. If you use it for um, having an online video orgy, then they can just funnel it straight to RedTube. Hundred percent, <laughs> and take all the royalties. I'm gonna have to Red talk to my lawyer and try and get the intellectual property back for that <laughs> opera house I drew in Pictionary on House Party. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Tim D'Souza, thank you for scaring us enough with uh, with privacy uh, conversation. It is my pleasure as always. <laughs> yeah. The professionals did the models. I was never involved in a model. At least this kind of a model. You're listening to A Rational Fear. Before we go, we've got one last special guest. She was a Raw Comedy National Finalist in 2019 and she hosts Channel 31's award-winning satirical news show, The Leak. Please welcome to the podcast with some of her cancelled Melbourne International Comedy Festival show, Rose Bishop. Hello. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. I'm going to say that I'm going to tell you a little story because it just feels strange calling them jokes. Also, I'm on the NBN, so if I drop out at any point, I'm sorry. Anyone <laughs> um, but look, I just I wanted to tell you guys uh, about two things that I've discovered during lockdown because it can't be an entirely negative experience and I have actually made some um, pretty life-changing discoveries. Uh, the first one is that um, when I smoke weed, I become a detective and I solve mysteries, <laughs> um, which is good. And the other one is that um, all greyhounds are haunted. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, the weed thing came up. Um, probably shouldn't say this publicly. I'm a, I'm a public server, but what can you do? Um, so uh, my only hobby at the moment is um, smoking weed and watching Art Attack, which I don't know if you guys are familiar. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Oh, yeah. The greatest television show ever made, obviously. Um, it's uh, how to sum it up. It's um, a kids' TV show from the '90s where a very manic British man called Neil would um, run around in a turtleneck and he'd make art. And uh, it'd be like normal-sized <laughs> art at the beginning and then at the end, uh, the big finale was that he'd make like a big art. And that was exciting. <laughs> um, so I was watching it on YouTube the other day and uh, I found an episode that I'd never seen before um, or didn't remember having seen before, which is kind of the same. Um, very high and uh, does his normal art, all very fun. Guess the end of the episode. He's making his big art, right? And what he does is he's got a stack of five-pound notes and um, he's laying them out on the ground but you can't see what he's doing with them because the camera's pulled in tight. Um, but then at the end the camera zooms out and you can see that he's used these five-pound notes to make a big picture of the Queen's head. Like, you know, <laughs> what's on the money? And that's like, I just, I realised, I was like, oh, my God, it's like a metaphor. It's so smart. <laughs> uh, like, <laughs> capitalism and, like, the 1%. And I wasn't trying to solve a mystery. It just, uh, it's like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> Neil from Art Attack is Banksy. (laughs) He definitely is, right? Like, you know, Banksy, that British guy is like running around. He was making art on walls also for children. Um, You know, I remember Banksy (laughs) being like, oh, look, this is a picture I did. It's about like um, imagine if someone bought you flowers, but all the flowers was gum. Also, the government is bad. Um, I don't really know what he was on about, but that's my impression of Banksy. I fucking hate him, to be honest. Um, but I do actually think in the sober light of day that I am correct and that um, the attack is definitely Banksy. Um, but just for the sake of being fair and balanced, you should probably know that the following night I smoked a lot too much and um, became briefly convinced that every golden retriever on earth was actually the same golden retriever just running around really fast to trick us all. <laughs> Make up your own mind, I guess. Um, 
And yet greyhounds, I want to tell you about how they're haunted. I've realised that because uh, I've been taking a greyhound for walks recently. I've been borrowing um, a, a friend's greyhound um, for something to do, get out of the house. And uh, I've looked into that dog's eyes and there there are ghosts in there. <laughs> greyhounds are so spooky. Like if you ever looked into the eyes, they are so spooky. Like, I wanted to walk a dog because, you know, fun, goofy energy. I thought it would be a nice antidote to the whole you know, um, pandemic, but uh, I, I feel like greyhounds are kind of barely a dog. They're sort of they're like a shit cat at best. Like a, a very frightening tube. Um, <laughs> definitely haunted. Uh, not sure if it's haunted by ghosts or by memories because, um, you know, if you look at the facial expression of a greyhound, they all have the exact same facial expression, which is uh, that of an old man remembering the war. <laughs> but this greyhound that I've been walking, he's lovely. His name is Santos, but he's extra spooky and extra frightened because he's gone the extra mile and he's become allergic to his own teeth. Uh, which turns out is a real thing that can happen to greyhounds. <laughs> of course it is. You have to brush his teeth every day with beef-flavoured toothpaste and give him a tablet or he'll die. <laughs> Wild. <laughs> but um, I just assume, right, that what's happened is that he has anxiety and that that's made him scared of his own teeth because um, I have anxiety, sorry to brag, um, but uh, it makes you overthink absolutely everything. And if, if you think about teeth too much, uh, which I definitely have, then <laughs> you'll realise that teeth are actually the only part of your skeleton that isn't covered in meat. Um, <laughs> and then if you think about that too much, which I also have, uh, then you just won't stop being able to think about how there's a skeleton inside of you all of the time, <laughs> even when you're at the shops. Um, <laughs> So I just assume that's what's happened to all greyhounds. <laughs> they might actually be the only breed of dog that is just constantly aware of its own mortality, whereas the other dog that I walk sometimes is a Labrador and uh, they're kind of the opposite. Like I took this Labrador to a cemetery once, um, one time, and he immediately slipped his collar, fly-kicked over an old grave and pissed on it. True story. <laughs> the dog that is not afraid of teeth. Uh, I bet, like I'm pretty sure Labradors wouldn't even have skeletons. Like I think if you opened up a Labrador, which you shouldn't, because you're not a serial killer. Um, but I think if you opened up a Labrador just based on their behaviour, I think you'd find out that they're just full of uh, jelly beans and cocaine and the secret to happiness. <laughs> turns out that the secret to happiness is um, being able to lick your own dick. <laughs> well, I hope that was helpful. Oh, uh, oh, that was such a relief. Yay! <laughs> Rose Bishop. Thank you so oh much, Rose. That was great. Now, do you have anything to plug, Rose? I mean, look, honestly, no. Um <laughs> Send me an email. I'm very bored. Uh, uh, Rose.bishop at gmail.com. Say hi. <laughs> Thank I've you. I've got nothing. I've gone to ground. Thank you to all our fear mongers tonight. Alice Fraser, Tim Mitch and Lewis Hobber and Tim D'Souza. Uh, Alice, you've got an Amazon special coming out this Friday. Tomorrow, yes, I do. Uh, it's called Savage, and uh, it's coming out on Amazon Prime. So if you if you sub- subscribe to Amazon Prime in order to get Picard, you can also watch my special. Can't uh, and wait. It's, it, yeah, it's sort of my heart on a plate, so I hope you like it. I love hearts on plates. <laughs> yes, it's arguably not comedy, but it is a show. <laughs> that's what the cards for. my career. Yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> that's, the, uh, that's definitely this podcast. <laughs> Tim, you've got a, a brand new ISO comedy track out with Senator Briggs. Yeah, I got House Fire put a, a tune out and I did a chorus for it. And, yeah, i got a few things on, but I just want everyone to watch upright. So find, some, find a friend with Foxtel and tell them to leave their house and spray their couch with Dettol and then watch upright. I've watched it. It's great. You can easily watch all episodes within the 10-day framework of the free Foxtel that you get for 10 days. You yeah. can easily do it. Free, free Foxtel Now trial. Watch upright and then go back to whatever else you want. Tim D'Souza, do you have anything to plug? 
I shout about privacy on Twitter at, at Tim D'Souza. <laughs> That's about it, really. Come and yell at me about privacy. And Lewis, what about you? Um, oh, well, as you mentioned at the very top of the show, um, we made a bunch of um, hand sanitizer that we're giving away to essential workers, um, thanks to the brewery, at, the guys at Young Henry's who um, use some of their extra alcohol for us to turn it into World Health Organization um, uh, certified, <laughs> certified Sani. Um, so hit me up in my DMs, Lewis Hobber, if you uh, know an essential worker who deserves some. Excellent. I love Oscar at uh, Young Henry's. Yeah, an absolute legend. And it was a real tough time for everyone in hospitality. As you'd know, they were all shutting down um, everything and uh, they turned all of their excess um, booze into uh, hand sanitizer. They gave some to us, but they actually gave most of it um, to people and then donated all of their money to local charities in Sydney. Those guys are absolute legends. Yeah, yeah and, and they're still sponsoring uh, FBI Radio in Sydney too. And if uh, you love Sydney Music, Arts and Culture, donate to FBI if you can. Special thanks to Jacob Round of the Pots and Pans and Rupert Daygas for his uh, Gideon Rosen impression. Until next week, there's always something to be scared of. Good night. 